Thanks for listening to the Standing Together Ministry Podcast. Our desire is to create a multi-generational conversation in the independent Baptist movement while standing together for truth. The following is a teaching portion from the first ever Standing Together Ministry Summit in September of 2018. We would love to see you at the next summit on April 1st and 2nd at Franklin Road Baptist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can learn more and register at stsummit.com. That's stsummit.com. Now, prepare to grow as you listen to this episode of the Standing Together Ministry Podcast. All right, fellas, thank you for uh, coming in here. I want to be help and the help uh, to all of us. Uh, sure don't claim to be an expert when it comes to the subject matter. I tell the folks at Beacon Baptist Church when I point one finger at you, I'm pointing three back at me, and uh, probably no greater subject than the family uh, to be that and to be so. But uh, my wife and I have been married 39 years now, and we've had uh, some happy years. And um, <laughs> Well, days. Okay, all right. But anyway, and uh, we have three children. We have two boys and a normal child, and uh, we're glad for her. And... Uh, <laughs> And so uh, both the boys are, boys are going to be on the panel here in a few minutes. But anyway, um, how, many of you, how many of you are married? Is everybody in here married? No, a couple of single fellas, okay. How many of you have children? How many of you still have children in your home? Keep your hand up, all right. How many of you have grandchildren? Hey, that's, uh, nothing like grandchildren. I have all kind of grandchildren's jokes, but I cannot tell them because my wife says they are not funny. <laughs> I heard a guy say, old grandfather one time, two great things about grandchildren, headlights and taillights. And so I thought that was funny. So I told that after our first grandchild was born. And when I sat down, my wife said, don't ever tell that again. That was not funny. Yes, ma'am. All right. So anyway, uh, you know, but I'm glad we have seven grandchildren and uh, number eight will be here pretty soon. If you want to go with me uh, in the Bible, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter number three. Uh, they've printed for you there, verse four and five. And if uh, you just want to look there in your booklet, that's fine. Uh, there, is a, there is another statement I would bring to our attention. 1 Timothy chapter three, verse two uh, says, A husband then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. And then you go down to verse four, it says about, the pastor, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And then there, Titus chapter 1 and verse 6 says, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. That word blameless is an interesting word there in Titus chapter 1 verse 6. It is the word like you and I would understand today, Teflon. It is a word that means nothing can stick. See, all of us understand that any of us could be accused of anything. And particularly in our world today, it doesn't take a millisecond for you and me to be accused. But what Paul is instructing these two younger men in the ministry is when it comes to their family, don't allow there to be any grounds for the accusation to stick to you. Statement number one there in your notes. Every family knows the strains and stresses of life, but those are intensified and amplified when you add the duties of pastoral responsibility. 
Um, rearing a family, leading a family in 21st century America is a challenge in itself. There's so many things that's vying for your attention and my attention, for our wives' attention. I think we have some wives for our, your husband's attention, for our children's attention. But, but when you add on top of that the, the demands of pastoral responsibility, it doesn't matter today if you're pastoring 100 or 1,000. You'd be pastoring 50 or 500. There, there are all kinds of demands that people outside of this room, <laughs> they just don't understand. They don't have any idea what it's like to be on vacation and somebody call you or somebody text you or somebody email you. You know, they don't have any idea, you know, what comes. Now, Paul called it the care of all the churches. Pastoral care is a demanding call. And there's so many voices and so many vices that are seeking to destroy our marriages and our children. You, you, you think about it. Why do people fail at marriage? Why do people fail at child rearing? Now, I have my own thought, and I'll give it to you. They do not want to put the time and the effort required to be successful. Nobody is naturally a good husband. Now, I know everybody's naturally a good wife, okay? But, but nobody is naturally a good husband. Nobody is naturally a good father. You may have had a great example of a father, but, but that doesn't make you a good father. That doesn't make you a good husband. It, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And when you add on top of that the calling of God on your life, there's conflict. You know, I heard a guy say years ago that the calling of God never has any conflict. Well, undoubtedly, I got the wrong call. I picked up the, I picked up the wrong phone. <laughs> Because there's been a lot of competition in my life for time, for attention. So, so statement number two, we must all see the needs of our families as paramount to those of our ministries. Now, let me tell you where you invest time and effort, where you think it's important. Every man in this room is pastoring puts time and effort into sermon preparation. Because you don't want to get up and preach the last, same thing you preached last week with a different text and three different words. You, you, want, you want to communicate the truth of the scriptures. It takes a lot of time and effort. But far greater, far greater than my call to preach is my command, husband, love your wives. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and I think if you don't view it that way, you, you're, you're bound for trouble. I don't think there's a person on the planet, especially a pastor, who ever set out to neglect his family. I don't think that was his intention. I've never talked with a pastor whose children are prodigal that did it with pleasure. So what does it take to love your family while you lead your ministry? I'll give you three thoughts. I'll give them to you quickly. Number one, the priority. 
Statement number one, life should be prior, prioritized by relationships. I believe that's what life is. Life is relationships. <laughs> Here's the five priorities of my life. Number one, person. Who I ought to be for God. Who ought to be with God. Number two, partner. I have a wife. Number three, parent. Number four, papa. And number five, pastor. Those are the five priorities of my life. And listen to me, all of those priorities are always trying to grab another position. Pastor sometimes trying to take number one up here and leave my, leave my time with God, lay it over here on the side and get a sermon ready. Parenting tries to take the place of partnering. All the time, those relationships are in competition with each other. And you and I have to keep those things in right order. The old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease is so true. But you have to determine, I have to determine day after day after day after day after day to keep priorities straight. Number two, follow God's order in your home. Maintain your relationship with your wife as your primary familiar relationship. Maintain your relationship with your wife. That's number one. I won't take you there, but you and I both know that, that the exercise of the Spirit in our lives is the kind of man we are with our wives. And you, get, you start there in chapter 5 and verse 18, you go down through chapter 6 and verse 4, we look at Ephesians, and over and over again we understand that if your faith is not real with your family, your faith's not real. I didn't call either one of our boys to preach. I didn't tell my daughter to marry a preacher. But, but you know what? I, I'm so glad they did. But I also know that the, I know the, I know the frying pan they jumped in. I understand. You, but you better keep your relationship with your wife, number one, sir. I, I used to, Brother Ben Gilbert, I used to hear about people getting divorced after they've been married 25, 30 years. And I used to think, that, now that's crazy. I think by 25 or 30 years, I'm going to have Sharon trained. <laughs> Why would I want to start over? <laughs> but you know what I believe? I believe that people get married, divorced when they've been married 25, 30 years. They, they long ago, they let their children replace their husband or their wife. Yeah. Long ago. Hey, listen to me. I know if, you, if you've got a one, three, five, and seven-year-old right now, you think this is never going to happen. But it is going to be a day when it's just you and her again. <laughs> I mean, it's just me and her. I mean, she's in Arizona and I'm in Texas, but, you know, we're both preaching, so it's okay. <laughs> um, so, but you know what? You better keep that. You better keep that fire burning. Love your wife, protect your wife, cherish your wife, cherish your wife. You better hurt, you better hide her from all the hurts you can hide her from. I don't come home and dump on her everything. Now, I, I confide in her more than I do in anybody. I mean, God spoke to my heart first session this morning, Brother Van Gelderen, second session with um, Brother um, Davidson, third session with Brother. Folger, and, and there's some things I wrote down that, that when Sharon flies back in, uh, she'll get home, pray, Raleigh-Durham will be open, 
she'll get back home early Sunday morning and, and um, sometime uh, Sunday night after church or Monday sometime I'm, there's some things the Lord's spoken to me about in this meeting and I'm going to talk to her and I'm going to confide in her and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get her, get her opinion and her insight but 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 you better you better do everything you can to keep that where it ought to be it, it's a priority it, it's a priority life prioritize the relationships and outside of your relationship with God there's not a greater relationship than the relationship with your husband or wife secondly I want you to think with me about the process the process statement number one maintain open and honest communication within your family I read this statement I do not know the man who made the statement, but it's a great statement. It's Don, John Balcom. He said, with the appearance of the two-bathroom home, we forgot to cooperate. With the appearance of the two-car family, we forgot how to associate. And with the coming of the two-television home, we forgot how to communicate. Now, that's a few years ago. But how much do you talk to the people in your family? If I went home to your house and I sat down with your kids, what would they say about how much you talk with them? I didn't say how much you text with them, how much you talk with them. If you're going to have a home that's a home well-pleasing to the Lord, there must be open, honest communication. I understand, you asked me the three greatest components of a home, Christ, commitment, and communication every time but communication plays a big role talking enjoying I'm talking about I'm not talking about just here and there I'm talking about on purpose I believe that it is our communication with our spouse and our children that either builds bridges or burns bridges what you say how, how you say it when you say it how often you say it You ought to determine every day to have some personal time with every person that lives in your home. Now, my wife was far better at this, my boys could tell you, than I was. But I wanted to have some time where I just talked to them. My wife never missed a day. If our children were under the roof of our home every night of their lives, she spent the last 10 minutes or so before they went to bed individually going from room to room provide open honest communication number two be sure to have fun with each member of your family have fun have a good time uh, corporate time you know every, every day we we were looking for ways to laugh I, I we, we got down just to my wife and I and our daughter and and Joy said after Philip went off to college, she, she said, this is going to be tough. Philip was kind of the life of the party in the house. This is going to be tough. Just me, you, and Mom. <laughs> About three weeks later, we were eating dinner. We eat supper where I grew up, but you probably eat dinner. We were eating supper. And Joy looked across the table at us, and she said, this is more fun than I ever thought it would be. I said, what? Just being here with you and Mom. 
She said, I can tell stories now and nobody interrupts me. <laughs> How fun. Schedule fun times. Do fun things. You, you know one of the things we gave? We gave our children an out. Okay, we've been in the same church. I've been in the same church 37 years. So that's, all, that's the only church my children are known until our daughter got married and went out of the will of God. But anyway... Um, <laughs> But, but, but there were even people in our church that, that we didn't want them to spend time with. So what we did is we always had something planned. That's what we told them to tell them. Somebody said, somebody you knew you couldn't go, I was going to say no anyway. Just say, no, we got something planned. Our family's going to do, you know. And we did all kinds of dumb things. A lot of fun things in the early days when we couldn't afford to spend money to go laser tag or go-karting or, you know, adventure landing or whatever. But, but, but have some fun. Now, every child in your home has different interests. Don't just do what one of them likes because you like what they like. Do, do things that they all, they all enjoy. Have a, have a family night together. Um, go on a picnic. Put a, put a line in your family budget to laugh together, grow together, play together. You know, there, there's certain seasons in our family, they were just... They were just givens. We're, we're going to do this. I, I, I'd been pastoring about a year or two, and I realized Thanksgiving's a time to be gone because people, you know, they just call you on Thanksgiving Day, Pastor, I'm sorry, I'm out of town. But anyway, that's what we did. <laughs> we, I mean, we went skiing one year on Thanksgiving Day for, for years. We've done it now. It's just my wife and I, so we do it with another ministry couple every other year. Uh, we live in different parts of the world. We fly and get together, do something together. And then the other one we do with, with our family that doesn't need to be with their other family members that year. And uh, we just plan time together. You know, summer vacation. I mean, when we first started vacation, you know how we vacationed? Three days, two nights. Come listen to our hour and a half presentation on buying a timeshare. <laughs> and you just get good at it. No. Don't you love your family? Mm-hmm. Then don't you want to buy this? No. <laughs> we came for the three days, two nights. I got where I'd even tell them up front. That's what I came for. It didn't matter. Some of them, some of them it did. Some of them they had good common sense, said no need to waste an hour and a half of my life and your life too. Um, <laughs> you know, the way we vacationed when our kids were growing up, amusement parks and baseball parks. They, they loved amusement parks. I love baseball parks. I've been to 27 now. I've got three to go. The boys have been 18, 20, 21, whatever. Uh, that's how we vacationed, things that they enjoyed. I'm not a roller coaster dude. I'm okay with wooden, but when they start doing flips and courts, that's crazy. God never intended for that. <laughs> Number three, I think I'm... Understand and incorporate the principles of teaching and training into the routine of your family. Understand and incorporate the principles of teaching and training. You, you need to understand... You, you go, I won't take you there, but you know it. Deuteronomy 6. When do, when do you talk about the things of God? <laughs> when do you not? When you're riding in the car. I didn't ride with, in the car with my boys and think, well, there ain't nothing to talk about. No, there's something to talk about. I planned it. Now, both of them are in here, so they'll know who I'm talking about. But one of them was better at saying yes, sir, no, sir. You know, how do you feel about blah, 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 blah? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> How do you feel about yes, sir? No, 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 no answer. You know? Um, you're, you're always teaching. You're always trying. 
family altar. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm afraid we'd be embarrassed in this room. I still believe family altar alters a family. Nothing like having those grandchildren in our home now. We just we had cousins camp a few weeks ago and had our five oldest. If you were potty trained, you could stay with us for the whole week. And uh, <laughs> and so so we had pop, we had Bible time with Papa every morning, every night. And uh, man, you know I'm so glad that uh, my children didn't go to church to learn the Bible. They went to church to find out that the Sunday school teacher and the preacher believed the same thing their daddy did. You, you teach them. You train them. You, 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 you show them how to, how to do things. Set a routine. I, I, didn't, I didn't do my Bible study for the purpose for my kids to see me, but I always did it where they could see me. And you may go to your office, and that's okay. I didn't. I did it right there in my home, my personal quiet time with the Lord, my prayer time. So, so teach, train. Number Number four, show affection and respect within your home. Show affection and respect. <laughs> Philip's little, his oldest girl, Aubrey, every time I kiss her nana or hug her nana, she goes, ooh, Papa, that's yucky. Hey, listen to me. I wanted my children to know I love their wife. Uh, their wife. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I do. They took, their wives took them out of my house and made it cheaper. All right, but anyway. No, it didn't. They brought grandchildren. But anyway, you know, I, I want them to know I love their mother. I showed affection. I don't do it now. The boys work on the same hallway I do. I don't do it now. But there was very rarely a time that they ever left my home that I didn't grab them around the neck or grab them around the shoulder and say, love you, buddy. You know? I grew up in a home like that. My wife didn't. We've been married about six months. She said, I'd like for us to do with, with your mom and my mom and daddy what we do with your mom and daddy. I said, well, what in the world? She said, every time we hang over your mom and daddy, we say, I love you. They tell us they love us. She said, I never heard my daddy say that. She said, I knew he loved me. He was faithful to my mama. He took me to church three times a week. He worked the job, but he just never showed affection. So we started telling them we loved him. <laughs> First time, a few times, it was kind of awkward. Uh, bye. You know? <laughs> Show affection. Say I love you. Show it. Show respect. You ought, you ought to teach your children to respect the things of others, property of others. Lay, lay groundwork in your home how, they, how you borrow something from someone. They borrow it from their brother or sister. They don't just go in there and grab it. It's not theirs. Teach that. Number five. I think I've got three minutes here. Make good memories together. Make good memories together you know we we had we had we had family traditions birthday parties always a big deal one year with family next year with friends 13th birthday we all get we gave everyone a soul in new testament 16th birthday gave them a big overnight thing 18th birthday they had a trip with a parent of the same sex except for when my wife and daughter decided to go to san antonio they said would you go with us i said all right i will you know our, our wedding gift to our kids was a trip with us one year after they got married. So with two out of the three, we went to the Hawaii. The other one, we went to London because they went to Hawaii on their honeymoon. We, 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 we wanted to have memories together. You know how you make memories? Emotions. You remember the things you were emotional about. We, we, we lived in the same city 
37 years, we host the state fair every year. We've never missed a time. Even now, now there's 15 of us that go together. But we, we put on our schedule year out. We're going to the fair. We, we, we walk the same trail. We get the same hush puppies. We go to we look at the same exhibits. We all weigh on the, on the cow scales. You know, I mean, we're just some things we've done. <laughs> that brings us to the product. The product. Statement number one, the goal is a close-knit family while they're in your home and after all the children leave your home. The goal is a close-knit family while they're all in your home and after all the children leave your home. I want, I want, we wanted home to be a happy place. I can do sermon prep after they go to bed if we've had a good time. I, we wanted home to be a place where our children wanted to be. One of our son's best friend, even to this day, they went to high school together. Went to our high school, he went to, his family went to another church. He's written me now over the last 10 years three or four letters thanking me that every time he was in our home we had family altar. He said, my mom and dad never did that, but I do that every night with my children because I saw you do it with yours. Number two, each member will grow in their love for the Lord and one another. You know, I wanted my children to love Jesus more than love anybody else. I would have considered myself a failure. I had instilled in them a love. I can't make them love, but I can instill in them a love. And it requires a lot of time. It requires consistency, commitment, sacrifice. Here's the last statement, I believe, the product. Your children will be challenged to reproduce your home in the home God has given them. You know what I am? My wife and I, we were just a link in the chain. <coughs> Proverbs 17, 6, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. There's no greater joy then my children love the Lord. Three of my children have trusted Christ. Grandchildren. And they love being with Papa and Nana. One day I'll not be the pastor of Beacon Baptist Church anymore. But I'll still be Sharon's husband, Tim, Philip, and Joy's daddy. And Riley all the way down to Braylon, Papa. And I sure want to meet the Lord, having given it the best I could give it. All right? Thank you. We hope this episode has been helpful to you and that you'll subscribe to our podcast. You can connect with Standing Together on Twitter and Facebook where we hope you will take a moment to share this podcast with your friends and followers. And remember, we'd love to see you at the next Standing Together Ministry Summit on April 1st and 2nd in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. For more information, visit us at stsummit.com. That's stsummit.com. Thanks again for listening.